here. I'm ready to teach this for a little bit. Let's see what the Lord will say and the Lord will do on this Thursday night. Let's go to the book of Genesis on tonight, all right? The book of Genesis chapter 15 on tonight. Perhaps you're here tonight and you do not have a Bible. Please allow one of our ushers to put a Bible in your hand. We want to encourage you to read and study the Word of God. In fact, as always on Thursday night, this is a teaching environment. It's a clinical teaching uh, ministry environment. So we encourage you to bring your, your notepad, bring your, your journals, whatever you write notes in. I've got a couple of statements tonight that I'm going to ask that you write down. And as always, we go to the Word of God and Scripture, and uh, it's, an, it's always a blessing to follow along in the Word of the Lord. Uh, let's go to Genesis chapter 15 on tonight. While you're turning there, I know that all of the seasoned and senior saints of UCC, 55 and up, they've got a wonderful event coming up this coming weekend. It is the Legacy Luncheon 2015. What a wonderful tradition that has become. It's not this weekend? I was wondering why y'all wasn't saying amen over here. October the 18th. Maybe I need to join the 55 and up group. Amen. The Legacy Luncheon, thank y'all for the correction. The Legacy Luncheon is October the 18th, hosted by the seniors, 55 and over City Life Group. All right. Now, the good news is that that means that you have an extra week to plan and prepare. That's right. So you can stop by the foyer. There's a table set up just for that particular event. And if you're 55 or older, not ashamed of it, amen, I want you to stop by. Make sure you're a part of this wonderful small group ministry of UCC. I will say this now. Now, this weekend is the CCMI Leadership Summit. We've got about 30 churches or so coming together on this Saturday, beginning at 9 a.m. It's really open for everyone. I know there's church tonight and tomorrow night is going to be a great spiritual empowerment conference here at the Oasis tomorrow night with Dr. Elizabeth Three and so many of the colleagues are ministering tomorrow night. But on Saturday morning, something for the leaders something for people who are praying about leadership development. I'll be ministering to a lot of the leaders. My wife will not be ministering to leaders. She'll be out of town, but uh, we'll have something for everyone on this coming uh, Saturday. And for those of you that volunteer and you serve, you make CCMI the great organization that it is. Thank you for that. It's going to be a blessing on this coming uh, Saturday from uh, about 9 a.m. And uh, it's going to be a joy here in the house of the Lord. Father, tonight as we go to the word of the Lord, thank you, God, just for your presence. Thank you for the worship and the praise that has gone up unto you. We feel welcome and we feel uh, uh, ushered in uh, to your very presence because of praise and worship. So, God, I ask tonight that even as that we stand and as we sit and as we hear the word of God, we know, God, that the word of God can bring change and the word of the Lord can impact and influence our lives. May we receive every principle, every law, every precept, every revelation, even tonight. As we talk vision tonight, I thank you tonight, God, for the success, the significance of ministry coming to pass. In Jesus' name, come on, the whole church said amen and amen again. All right, let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 15 on tonight, all right? Genesis chapter 15 on tonight. On tonight. If you've got it, come on, say amen. I really like Genesis 15. Um, I, I, I vacillated between Genesis 12 and Genesis 15. I just felt, felt at the end of the day that this particular passage of Scripture really was more conducive and appropriate as we continue the series on vision. 
Um, I've taught a lot of series at UCC over the 21 years. I don't know if I've heard as much commentary and, and compliments as I've heard these past few weeks. So I really want to thank you all for making ministry, preaching, and teaching a little bit more easier uh, for me. Uh, I'm kind of old school when it comes to the laws of communication. They say that when you get tired of preaching it, people are just catching it. And sometimes you have to hear things seven times before it really logs the first time. So you know what? I just believe that every man, every woman needs vision in their home. Uh, for their job, for their family, for their business, whatever future endeavors, whatever faith-filled uh, objectives you have, I think vision can really be a game-changing. So with that in mind, we're going to continue tonight in the series dealing with vision, all right? In fact, I've titled the series, Big God, Big Vision. Big God. I believe we serve a big God, and uh, you, you, you don't really want to consult a big God with small ideas and a small plan, all right? I say it all the time, and I tell all of the young people at UCC, don't make small plans. Whatever you do, do not make small plans, because I believe God has some really big things in store for you. So with that in mind, tonight I want to talk about vision tonight. Genesis 15, verse 1. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. Uh, the Bible says, and after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in, in what? What does your Bible say? In a what? Is that what your Bible says? In a what? So the word of God came to Abraham, all right, in a vision. See, we already realized that vision is important. And here's what the vision was saying, or here's what God was saying through the vision. Do not be afraid, Abram, for I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, uh, what will you give me seeing that I go childless and the heir of my house, Elysia, is of Damascus? And then Abram said, Lord, excuse me, then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. And indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, here we go again. The word of the Lord came to Abram. I'm assuming that he's still in the vision or it was still through the vision. Uh, this one shall not be your heir, but the one who will come from your own body shall be your heir, all right? And then he brought him outside and said, notice what the Bible says, look. Is that what your Bible says? Look. Would you circle the word look tonight? Circle the word look in your Bibles. Then God brought Abram outside and said, look. Look toward the heavens. Count the stars if you're able uh, to number them. And he said to him, you so shall your children or your offspring or your descendants be. And the Bible says Abraham believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. In other words, Abraham did the believing, but God did the accounting. Abraham did the believing, but God accounted it to Abraham for righteousness. Verse 7, very important tonight. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. To give you this land to inherit it. You can uh, stop reading right there. Everyone tonight has something God wants to give you to inherit. You have to understand tonight, all of this praying, investing, inviting, and and, and, and interceding, all of the fasting and trusting and hoping, and every one of you in this room, that there's something that God is in the process of giving you. For Abraham, it was land. Not only was it land for him, but it was land for about 2 million people. For Abraham, it was a vision coming to pass. 
I don't know if this series of teaching will profit you any if you have not identified that thing God is working in your life. And the, and, and the unique thing about it all is this. On every row, in every section in this church tonight, there are different objectives, different dreams, different visions, different goals, different aspirations. But the one thing we ought to have in common other than the Lord our God is that we have a vision. And again, I cannot say it enough, therefore you ought not be able to hear it enough about the value, all right, the voice, and tonight the victory of vision. We started two weeks ago, we talked about the value of vision. What is it worth? What is it worth? We looked at the life of Habakkuk. Last Thursday night, we talked about the voice of vision, the voice of vision. Not only what is it worth, but we asked the question, what is it saying? What is it saying? One thing that Habakkuk and Isaiah had in common was they both heard the vision speak. They both heard. Now, they didn't just see the vision, but they understood that the vision had a voice. The vision had a voice. Tonight, we'll continue on with the victory of vision. Not only what is it worth, not only was it a saying, but we want to know at the end of the day, what can vision do for you, the child of God? What can vision do for you, the child of God? I was talking with Minister James, the multimedia uh, director, and we're kind of contemplating whether we should continue this series another week or two or three. I said, James, I'm, I'm not finished preaching. And, I, and I'm, the reason I'm not finished preaching is because he ain't finished talking. I got a thousand one things I could preach on between now and Christmas, but I can't leave the value, the voice, the victory, and I'm not too sure what next vision brings. But I know one thing. God has us in this season for a purpose and for a particular reason. So we're going to look at, again, people like Habakkuk. We're looking at people like Isaiah. Tonight we'll look at Abraham. Uh, next week maybe we'll look at Nehemiah or Rahab or the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Ultimately, Jesus is the greatest vision holder, vision caster in the history of time. I could talk about the vision that Jesus had for you while yet we were sinners. Christ died while we were yet in sin. When we couldn't see, he saw ahead of time for us. That sounds like vision to me. All right? So if Christ had a vision, still does, I believe. If Habakkuk had a vision... If Abraham has a vision, if all of these wonderful leaders of both the Old and New Testament have vision, seem like you and I would think it'd be important to have vision. What do you think about that? And so we've taken the definition from the book Courageous Leadership. Some, I, in fact, I picked it up today because I, I bought it in 2003. So that book is about 12 years old. All right. And we've been working with this definition for the last 12 years. A vision is a picture of the future of what can be and what must be. A picture of the future of what can be and what must be. Uh, I read a statement from Soren Kierkegaard. Soren Kierkegaard was a Danish philosopher, and he said that oftentimes God gives you a glimpse or God gives you a wink of the future, and that future or that, that, that wink is really to entice you for something that's greater to come. I'll talk about that on Sunday. There's a whole other message. I'll deal with that one on Sunday. And so oh, throughout these last couple of weeks and continuing, we're looking at the importance of the vision. I believe the vision should be important. Your vision for your home, your marriage, your children, your future, your business, whatever it is that God's called you to do, the vision is very important. Number two, the vision should be influencing, or better yet, there's the influence of vision. There's the importance of vision. There's the influence of vision. And then there's the impact of vision. In other words, we know that having a vision is highly important. 
you really don't want to leave home without it. We know that the influence of vision, in other words, you can move a mountain. There's momentum. There's a lot of things can happen when a man or a woman has vision. And then ultimately, at the end of the day, the impact of a vision. One of the theme scriptures we've used throughout the last two or three weeks is Proverbs 29, 18. You know it very well. Come on, let's say it out loud. Where there is no the people. One more time. Where there is no vision, the people. Yeah, uh, the, the new Christian version says it this way. Where there is no vision, that is word from God, people are uncontrolled. But those who obey what they've been taught are very happy. When you don't have a vision, anything will work. When there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. People wandered aimlessly in the wilderness. So we started two weeks ago looking at Habakkuk. You remember Habakkuk, don't you? Uh, the burden will always precede the vision. Habakkuk had a burden. Habakkuk was troubled. Habakkuk was a prophet who was not satisfied with the status quo. He had grown to be very uncomfortable with being comfortable. Nowhere in the book of Habakkuk does it talk about prosperity, money, increase, or finances. The vision that God gave Habakkuk was to change a generation. Is that right? Uh, not only that, but we understand that Habakkuk has to follow instructions. God's going to deal with Israel. God wants to bless and prosper Israel, but it had to come through instruction. We'll pick it up, chapter 2, verse 1. Habakkuk says, I will stand my watch at my station, and, and I will look to see what he will say to me and what answers he will give to me. And then the Lord replied, write the vision down. In other words, write the revelation down. Make it plain on the tablet so that whoever reads it can run with it. For the vision is for an appointed time. I don't think we understand that. The vision is for an appointed time. In other words, you may get a vision in October 2015, but the vision may not be appropriate for October 2016. And our mistake is we put a deadline and we put an expiration tag on the vision as if God wants it to be done now. So he gives you a vision today, but it may not need to be carried out for another 12 months, another three years. It could be 20 years. There are visions today that's coming to pass in my life that I saw 20 years ago. And I'll be the first to tell you how frustrating it can be thinking that God was on my timetable when the truth of the matter is I should have been on his timetable. So the vision is for an appointed time. So you have to learn to slow your roll. You have to learn to be patient because most likely it's not going to happen overnight. Can I talk to some people tonight? Whatever that snapshot Whatever that crystal clear, concise picture looks like, oh, it looks wonderful. Oh, it's moving. Oh, it's compelling. Why well, I can't wait. Well, you're going to have to learn how to wait because it's probably not good for another six months. Everybody okay? So that was Habakkuk. Last week we looked at also Isaiah. Let's, what, what do we remember about Isaiah? One of the greatest Old Testament prophets in the history of time. He's mentioned some 50 times in the New Testament. Sort of like Habakkuk, again, Vision had nothing to do with money, resources, finances, prosperity, increase, money cometh now, and all that stuff. But vision had all to do with bringing God's salvation back to the children of Israel. But something interesting we learned last week about Isaiah. Isaiah started off really, really as a popular prophet, but towards the latter part of his life, he became 
very unpopular. Why? Because he carried a very challenging word. He carried a very hard word. In fact, tradition has it that he was executed for being the prophet who had a hard saying, all right? Uh, here's what we know about Habakkuk, excuse me, about Isaiah also. We learned that Isaiah stayed the course even in the face of unpopularity, okay? Very interesting. Isaiah stayed the course of a visionary or as a prophet, even though it became unpopular. And so we hear him hearing the word of God in Isaiah 46 and 9. The Bible says, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I declare the end from the beginning. Isaiah saw something in the vision realm. Isaiah says, God, you're speaking the word of God. What is it that you want me to tell the church? He says, you tell the church that oftentimes I'll show you how the end looks at the very beginning. So now let's talk about your plans. Let's talk about your dreams. Let's talk about your goals. How does it look tonight? You just opened a store or business. What is the ultimate success of that business? You want to have a great family. What does that great family look like? You want to finish school and do some great things in the academic, social, uh, uh, scholarship world. What does that really look like at the end of the day? What vision have you seen? Well, I don't see nothing. But you know what? You may want to think twice before you get started. Okay? We got pastors and preachers and reverends and, and ministers, and, and, and I've sat where you sat. I sat where you sit tonight. And I know what it's like to serve in another man's ministry. I know what it's like to, to bring up the rear and, and be basically on, on the serving and, and running errands and insignificant end. But somewhere in that time of consecration and somewhere in that time of commissioning and somewhere in that time of training, God will show you a vision. And one of the second mistakes we make is we run, I want to tell everybody what we've seen. Not only is there a time element involved, but it may be a personal element involved. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes we may even be even more than not knowing God's timing is the fact we want to tell everybody what we believe God showed us. As if they're going to pat us on the back and say, wonderful. And if you're not careful, may I say this tonight, even family folk, you got to be very critical, very cautious, very prayerful when you tell them what God has shown you. No one in your family has ever bought a home, but yet you want to be the first-time home buyer. Be careful when you tell that to your family. Uh, watch out. I, I hate to use the word haters. Look, it, I don't even, that don't even make sense, does it? I hate to use the word haters, but watch out for haters. Because sometimes everybody who's laughing with you ain't with you. You better learn how to get a discerning ear that there's a difference between laughing with me and laughing at me. All right? And so Isaiah understood that so very clear. But God says, I want you to tell the people that I will show you what the end product looks like in the beginning. But don't get too happy about it. Don't stay there for long because I'm going to take you back to the beginning. The word of the hour in my life is faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. I've been hearing the Holy Spirit say all day long, can you be faithful over the little? Can you be faithful over the little? I can't wait to talk to, about, talk to you all Sunday about a scripture about Moses. The Bible says that he was faithful to the house of God. He says, you know what? When I get ready to talk to prophets, I will show them visions and dreams. But it ain't going to be like so over Moses. He says, I'm going to talk to him face to face. Why? Watch this. Because he was faithful to the house. And so now I keep hearing the Lord saying, Who, where are the faithful priests of the house? 
Because anybody can be real productive and performing and real hot and bothered when all things are going well, but can you be faithful over the little? Can you be faithful? Ain't nobody saying amen. Can you be faithful when you're all by yourself? Can you be faithful when the ends ain't meeting and things don't make sense? Huh? So there was something that, and that's a whole other message, forgive me for deviating, but boy, that's a whole other message about remaining the course, even when it doesn't look good. Staying faithful, even when things seemingly are falling apart. Everybody okay tonight? Let's go on tonight. Last Thursday night, we, we, we concluded that the voice of vision speaks three different things. Number one, the, vo- the vision speaks divine revelation. I won't have time to turn there, but write down Isaiah 30. The Bible just simply says that you will hear the vision speak. The, the, the voice of God will speak through vision, tell you what direction you should go. Number two, the vision speaks direct responsibilities, direct responsibilities. We learned from the life of Isaiah, particularly chapter 6, verse 8 last week. He heard the voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send? You remember the scripture. And he says, here I am, you can send me. Oftentimes when a vision is from God, it brings instructions. It brings instructions. Number three, the vision speaks results. The vision speaks determined results of God's expectation. Old Japanese Proverbs says this, vision without action is a daydream, but action without vision is a nightmare. It'll take you a couple of days to chew on that one, all right? I'll say it one more time. Vision without action is a daydream, okay? And how many people do we know who daydream and say they got vision all day long, but they never have action? Hmm? But I think as equally as lethal as having a whole bunch of action, that you ain't got no vision. Let's talk about that one Sunday. We'll come back to that Sunday, all right? Tonight we turn to our attention to Abraham. It is in Genesis chapter 15 that perhaps we see Abraham as at his greatest moment of vision. And there are three things that Abraham possessed. Thank you very much. He possessed three characteristics tonight as we look at vision. And I want you to get this tonight. We're, we're just kind of building. We're building blocks here tonight. We're just kind of adding and we're building. And uh, you go home and you process it and you come back Sunday. You add a little bit more. You build a little bit more. You come back Thursday night and you add and build. One thing's for sure, you'll never forget this season in your entire life. I don't want any one of you to be without a vision. All right? The Lord says the same next Thursday night. We'll get really, really practical. And, in fact, we'll kind of create sort of a, 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 a clinic environment. I want to talk to you about how to write a vision down, how to cast a vision, all right, uh, how to get a dream board. Nowadays, dream boards today wasn't like it was 20 years ago when I kind of got started. A year 25, 30 years ago, our dream board was getting a poster board and, putting, and cutting pictures out of magazines and cutting pictures out of so-and-so, putting on a poster board and putting in your closet. Couldn't nobody see it but you. That was my dream board, I'm, and I had that. I literally had a poster board with pictures I'd cut out of magazines, things that I saw in the vision realm that one day may come to pass. That was my dream board. Now you got all type of apps and all type of websites, Pinterest, and all these different things that does it all for you. You can do your screensavers. And I encourage every one of you have to see something on a regular daily basis. And, again, I don't want to just reduce this to, 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 to monetary or, 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 or um, possessions, all right? Again, vision could be having a healthy family. Vision could be having a healthy report from the doctor's office. Vision could be anything that you're believing what can be and what should be or what must be. And I know that sometimes you say, past boys, it's beginning kind of redundant and repetitive. But until you are highly successful in the areas of accomplishing the vision, I ain't going to stop preaching on it. Everybody Okay. Three characteristics we see tonight in Abraham based on John, excuse me, Genesis 15. Let me get to you real quick. Number one, desire. Number two, determination. And number three, discipline. All right? Desire, determination, 
and discipline. You may want to write those three words down. You're going to find out in the next few moments before I close, when you look at the life of Abraham, particularly in Genesis 15, you see desire, you see determination, and you see a sense of discipline. What does all that have to do with vision? It has everything to do with vision tonight. It has everything to do with the victory of vision. The question we'll ask ourselves tonight basically is this. What can vision do for me? Okay? What can having a vision do for my situation? I believe it speaks. I believe there's value. But there's something that vision does for the person who actually understands vision. In fact, I failed to give you this quote at the beginning of the message. Let me give it to you right now. Uh, it's, not, it's not what the vision is. It's what the vision does. All right? It's not what the vision is that's most important. It's what the vision does. Let me give the credit to the person who said that. Peter, I guess it's a Senge, S-E-N-G-E. You don't want to write it down just to be uh, without plagiarism on tonight. It's not what the vision is, but it's what the vision does. The vision should motivate. The vision should inspire. Let me tell you what the vision is doing for me right now. It is a daily reminder to keep the main thing the main thing. Don't lose sight of the vision. Don't lose the facts or the reasons why we're accomplishing or attempting what we're accomplishing and attempting. And vision can do a whole lot of things for you tonight if you allow it. Let's go to Genesis 15 real quick. Uh, the Bible begins tonight by saying simply this, okay? The Bible says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham, again, in a vision. The word of God comes in a vision. I don't have time tonight, but if you just write down Acts chapter 10, you remember Peter uh, and Cornelius on the accessory at the coast where we're, we're really kind of north of Joppa, which is modern-day Tel Aviv, and God speaks to Peter in a vision. It is in a huge vision. starts in chapter 9, actually, but it carries over to chapter 10. A lot of things are revealed when God speaks his word. It's important that you and I have a vision because oftentimes the vision not only speaks, but the vision works. The vision activates. And that's what I want you to understand tonight. If you'll get a vision, it will do wonders for you. Even when you don't think it's working, it's working on your behalf. And so tonight the Bible says that at, at, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield and I am your reward. Let's stop right there. Why would God want to talk to Abraham at this point? Now, as I talk to some of my Jewish friends uh, in my Jewish settings, uh, I have to remind them, as I remind you and I tonight, uh, this was the covenant that God makes with Israel, not the promise. The promise was in Genesis chapter 12. You remember Genesis chapter 12? I'm going to make you a blessing, and you're going to be a whole lot of blessing, a lot of people, and I'm going to bless you coming and going and all that good stuff. And Abraham left his father's house. He left his countrymen and his clan folk and all that stuff. That was the promise, Genesis 12. Genesis 15, a covenant is now established. And here's how that covenant looks. God says, number one, I got your back. And if nothing else, vision has to remind you on a daily basis that God has your back. Stay right there because I'm going to go somewhere with that thought. God has your back. Number two, not only is God going to be your reward, but, hey, it doesn't profit you to be fearful. It doesn't profit you to be scared. It doesn't profit you to be intimidated. So, Abraham, I, I'm going to be your protection. I'm your shield, but I'm also your reward. In other words, I've got your front and I've got your back. So if you understand what God wants to do in your life, vision ought to be powerful. We start out of the gate understanding that Abraham had to want it. Abraham had desire, and he had to want it. God says, listen, I'm going to have your back. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to make some ways happen, but you got to want it. What does Abraham say in return? He says, God, all right, let's, let's just cut to the chase. I ain't got no child. You know, Abraham could have sat right there and stayed mute. He literally could have had no response. 
but he's willing to bargain. Hey, God, I, I'm, I'm wanting you to do something great in my life, and I'll, I'll show you that I want it, but here's the deal. I don't have a child. The one that I got going on in my home is really not from my loins, but if that works for you, it'll work for me. And God has a whole other plan for Abraham, but we would have never gotten to that conversation until Abraham showed some sense of desire. You know, John Maxwell had a statement. I really like this statement. He said this about vision. He says, perspectives, that is how you see a thing, separates leaders and followers more than any other characteristic. Leaders see before followers do. They see beyond what followers do, and they see bigger than followers do. So as we're talking about big God, big vision, let's go ahead and separate the men from the boys tonight, the saints from the ain'ts tonight. Are you going to see big things? Or are you going to see small things? Because you not only have to see before others see it, all right, but you have to see even after the others see it, and you have to see bigger than what others see. Because if your big vision is to make $10 an hour for the rest of your life, I don't know if that's even worth wasting God's time. Unless you live in a third world country and you become an instant millionaire. But if your vision doesn't require faith and grandeur and greatness, not necessarily bling bling now, we're not talking about money, but if vision to change a community, vision to impact a nation, vision to do something great for God, if it's not big, why are we calling it vision? Abraham showed a sense of desire. He had, you have to want it. My encouragement to every one of you tonight is this. Find something in your life that's worth dying for. Find something in your life, an objective, a dream, a set of goals, something. And it has to be more than a jigsaw puzzle. All right? Find something that you're willing to bet the farm on and go after it. Because you'll see vision at its finest work when there's desire. Number two, he shows determination. Not only do you have to want it, you're going to have to be willing to go get it and keep it. Abraham possessed not only a, an entry-level interest, but he's willing to go all the way to get what he wants and keep what he's got. Verse 4 and 5 says this, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but the one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And then notice this. The Bible says something very interesting in verse 5. And God brought Abraham outside and said, Look, and that's important to vision tonight, you have to become what you behold. You have to see it if you ever plan on seizing it. What if Abraham would have stayed inside that night and said, I ain't going nowhere? He could have had a Habakkuk moment. You remember the Habakkuk moment? God, your word ain't worth nothing. You ain't doing nothing right now, and I don't know why I'm following you, prophesying in your behalf, and all this. Then other guy said, hush it, my boy. Come on, let's talk about it. I'm going to show you something in your lifetime. Even though I'm going to tell you ahead of time, you still ain't going to believe it. Come on outside and sit on this tile, and uh, the vision is going to speak to you. But Abraham does what God told him to do. Why? Because he's showing a sense of determination. Let's go back to that Japanese proverb real quick. We got a whole lot of vision, but we ain't got no action. Sounds like James to me. Remember James in the Bible says, show me your faith by your works. I'll show you my works by my faith. You got a whole lot of belief, but you're not doing nothing. Vision is not just sitting on the end of a stool somewhere or end of a bench waiting for life to come your way. What vision here in this context is, I'm going to believe God, but I'm going to show my determination. So God says, come on outside. I want to show you something. And the first thing God says is, have some vision. Look. So the Bible goes on to say, look, look toward the heaven, count the stars. 
even if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. So shall your descendants be. Michelangelo said this, the greatest danger for most of us is not that our aim is too high and we miss it, but our aim is too low and we reach it. God put Abraham in a position that no matter how long he counted, no matter how much he counted, he could have been a senior mathematician. He still wasn't going to count all them stars. And here we are five, six, seven thousand years later, and we're still singing the same song. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right hand, left hand, and we go to do all those spiritual exercises in the church. Why? Because we are all descendants of Abraham. Millions and millions, if not billions and billions of, of people later, we've all come from the strand of Abraham. God knew what he was saying when he told him that night, as much as you can count these stars, so say your children, your children's children, your children's 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 be. Tonight, we are witnesses of that. We are a direct fulfillment of prophecy of what God promised Abraham. But Abraham had to show some sense of determination. So let's go back to that quote one more time. Is it so much that you, low, if you have low vision or is it so much that you have low goals or low dreams or low vision so you can accomplish them and brag to the world how great you are making $7.50 an hour? Is it so that you can finally do a couple of small attempts in life and get them accomplished and, and, and brag that you are uh, the tallest midget in the group? I mean, oftentimes we lower our standards so we have a sense of security and success. When the truth of the matter is, why not have great vision? Why not have big goals? Why not have big dreams? And even if you fall below them, at least you are of the elite status because you've seen some great things happen in your life. I don't want to get too personal tonight, but I realize that things that I envision require great faith. I realize that. And I wanted to be that way. I want to be that example. There's no embarrassment. There's no shame if I fall short of my goals. You may talk about me and say this, that, and the other, but your one thing you're going to say is he believed God. <laughs> At least he was willing to believe God. Why not dream? Why not envision? God has no respect of persons. Uh, you know, uh, other populations in our community can hear the same word that motivates and encourages and biblically sets them to go and do, believe greater, and they go out and do it. We, on the other hand, we just, hey, we were grasshoppers in our sight, and I know we became grasshoppers in there, so why even apply? Why even try? Why even attempt? Number one, he had desire. Number two, he had determination. Number three, and I close, he had a strong sense of discipline. A strong sense of discipline. He stayed the course. May I submit that thought to you tonight? Stay the course. Would you tell your neighbor tonight, neighbor, stay the course? Come on, tell him one more time. Stay the course. And so the Bible says in verse 6 and 7, And he believed in the Lord, and the Lord accounted it for Abraham righteousness. And then he said to Abraham, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. Now, here's a revelation for tonight. The word, and I've said this for years, and this will be nothing new to most of you all tonight, but anytime God speaks vision into your life, he's already prepared provision. It's not, 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 not shocked by you there because you've heard it so many times. The word provision, two words, pro before vision to see. And when God shows you a vision, it is almost as if handcuffed to the vision was provision. It is almost as if it was an A and B clause. There cannot be an A without a B clause. God would have never shown you a vision had he already not aligned up provision. Let me try that one more time. Work with me. Work with me. If I understand the word provisions, 
to come from two words, before and to see. Let me put those two words together. Provision to me is to see before and to supply that which has been laid aside. To see before and to provide that which is laid aside. We all know Philippians 4.19. And my God shall what? Supply what? He shall supply what? He shall supply all of my what? Notice he didn't say wants, because if it was up to you and your wants, it'd be a little bit of everything, and most of that stuff you couldn't afford in the first place. But he will supply all of your needs. Why? Because he's a provider. He sees before. He's already set aside the supply, but he's just waiting for you to get a vision. I got one more time to say that, and I'm finished tonight. God has everything you already need. Why I ain't got it? Because you ain't got no vision. That's why. He's a provider. And because he's a, he is a provider, he already saw the fact that he set some supplies to the side for you. He's just waiting for you to get your act together. No more bad business deals. Okay? No more throwing jello against the wall to see if it sticks or not. No more experimentation. No more we're going to click our heels and close our eyes and take a blind leap of faith. That's not what God wants. Go get a snapshot of what the vision of what the future can possibly look like. And matter of fact, once you see it, you have to say it has to be this way. There has to be a dogged determination that this is going to come to pass. I'm in a season to where I'm just waiting on the Lord and hearing and re-inspecting motives, re-inspecting agendas. And I'm saying, God, there's so much ministry that can take place if these things happen. So much greater of a harvest, so much greater of a facilitating of a harvest, so much more influence in ministry with people and pastors and leaders. And, and, and I'm talking about two or three different things that I got going on. And I'm saying, God, I want to make sure in this season that my motives are most pure before you. Yeah, I want to shut the mouths of naysayers and, and this, that, and the other, but I can't let that be my leading motive. Got no time to be fighting fire with fire. But if we can keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, and if we can stay faithful and focused to what he's called us to do, all right? I, last I checked, Judas always hangs himself. You don't have to go out there and hang nobody. Are you still with me? And so God is the Jehovah who is the Jireh. He's the God that will what? Provide. He already sees your tomorrow. In fact, how do we know he sees it? Because he's already laid some supplies to the side for you to get a vision. I think more single men would be successful in their marriage if they got a vision. And there is a strong possibility tonight you're still single as a man and not married because you ain't got no vision. You may have deodorant, but you ain't got vision. You may have some cologne, but you ain't got vision. And these sisters ain't stupid. They're not going for them tricks no more, tall, good-looking, and handsome, and they can't keep no job. Used to be a day in time you could blow sweet nothings in their ear, and they follow you halfway, but now them days is over with. But when you get a vision, I got a vision from the Lord. All right, where is it at? It's in my head. Well, there ain't no vision then. It's in my heart. There ain't no vision there. I want to see it written on paper. That's what the Bible said. Do it. Write it out. So when I read it, I can run with it. Run straight to the engagement ring store. No vision. Ain't no ring. <laughs> no vision. Ain't no nothing else. But I dare you to get a vision and see what the Lord will do. Sisters, don't marry a man who has no proven vision. Don't do that. 
because both of y'all going to be in the dark with the lights cut off and lost while he got a brand new pair of $200 tennis shoes on. And the tennis shoes, you can't eat when you're hungry. Okay? Abraham has desire, determination, and he has discipline. Tonight, the Bible says that he believed in the Lord, and the Lord accounted to him righteousness. What are you saying? All Abraham had to do was believe. That's all he had to do. And God says, I'm going to add this to your credit account for righteousness. Now, remember, all that Abraham wanted to see come to pass had not yet come to pass. But God said, in advance, I'm going to put this on your credit account, that you're good for what you say you're good for. The word righteousness simply means to be in right standing with God. Could it be tonight that one level of faith, one act of obedience, one ministry of belief, could position you in the right place with God. And before all this comes to pass, he can go back and check your credit and say, I gave him all of this before the manifestation. Why? Because you simply believe. How do you know you believe? Because you saw the vision. You captured the vision. You wrote down the vision. You're praying the vision. You're waiting the vision. I love what the Bible says in Romans chapter 4 about Abraham. The Bible says he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. In fact, he was strengthened in his faith. He was strengthened in his faith. Pastor, what do we do in the vision seasons when things have yet not come to pass? One thing you can't do is waver in your faith. You cannot afford to give in to unbelief. One of the most powerful and sad scriptures of the New Testament is when the Bible says, and he could do no great thing among them except heal a handful of people. Why? Wasn't that he wasn't able? Wasn't that he wasn't willing? but because of their unbelief. Tonight, the Bible says Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in his faith, giving glory to God. And here's the, here's the kicker. The Bible says that he was fully convinced. He was fully convinced. He was fully, can I ask you a question? Are you fully convinced that God can do what he promised you that he would do? It could be healing, it could be family, it could be finances, it could be ministry, it could be missions, it could be school, it could be your child, it could be your marriage. Are you fully convinced? Are you fully convinced that God is able to do everything he promised you he, he would do? Abraham has a great sense of desire. He had, to, he had to want it. He has a great sense of determination. He went out and got it, and he kept it. Finally, Abraham showed a great characteristic of discipline. He stayed the course until God put him in the right place. Let's stand to our feet tonight. I have so much more I could share with you all tonight, but I want to bring that to an end. I read a statement, and I'll pick it up on Sunday. I think there's a new movie out about Steve Jobs and Apple. I haven't seen it. Has that movie been released yet? Steve Jobs, Apple. Or is that Microsoft? Steve Jobs is an Apple, right? I can hear the sound when you cut the computer on. Uh, I don't know if the movie's been released or not. Um, I'm not endorsing the movie by any means, but there's a quote from Steve Jobs who died four years ago yesterday. He said, if you are working on something exciting that you really care about, you don't have to be pushed, for the vision will pull you. For the vision, I think he knew what he was talking about, don't you? For the vision will pull you. Pastor Stevens, I don't have nothing to pull me. You ain't got no vision. Not everybody's going to be Michelangelo. 
Not everybody's going to be a Stephen Jobs. Not everybody's going to be a Billy Graham. Not everybody's going to be a president, prime minister, ambassador, Nobel Peace Prize winner, and all those great things. But in your context, what greatness can you do? And please don't compare it to the person on your road tonight. It'd be so unfair because you don't have the same grace they have, and they don't have the same grace you have. But we serve an awfully big God. He's an amazing, outstanding God. And I don't want to see you have a small vision. We're living in the best hour of our lives. There are books that need to be written, movies that need to be produced. There are countries that need the gospel, businesses and inventions that are yet still in the birth or are in the incubator of existence. All you need is a vision. That's all you need. Someone told me today, Pastor, they said, you know, you can preach this all you want. There's still going to be some people who walk right up out of here and could care less what you're saying. And I didn't say this in response, but in my head I was saying, yeah, that's why Jesus said the poor you always have among you. There has to be someone who will stay back in Egypt so it will show you the success and the accomplishments that you've gained by sometimes looking back. Sometimes you don't know how far you've come until you look back. You've ever been back? Has anybody ever been back to their old neighborhood? <laughs> you ever took a stroll through your old neighborhood where you hung out as a teenager, as a young person? Some of them same folk you hung out with 30 years ago, still there. Man, what'd you, how, how, what'd you do today at work? Man, I ain't do nothing. Man, I got paid. I ain't do nothing all day. And you're bragging on doing nothing. It is actually a compliment, and you find it a, something to brag on, that you're getting paid to do nothing. Vision is a separator. It is a distinguisher. I encourage everyone of you to get it. Make it a part of your life. Wait and see what the Lord shall do. Father, tonight as we go into prayer, I thank you tonight for men and women that uh, some a little early and some maybe not so yet ready. But I pray that you move our entire church towards the embracing of vision. We know it's important, it's highly influential, and it can make an impact on a generation. I thank you tonight, God, that as you showed Abraham in a vision, also you'll show us that you are our shield and you are also our reward. There's some things that were lacking. He lacked a son. He lacked a child from his own loins. There's some things tonight that we perhaps are lacking as well. But God, if we'll believe you, if we would believe you, in fact, you can invite us outside too, and we'll start counting stars, and we'll start that spiritual exercise of growing our faith. And we'll wait to hear your promise that as you delivered us from the hand of, earth, of the Chaldeans, you'll bring us into our promised land. I pray tonight for every family of our church in their own context, in their own desires, that you bring them into their destined promised land. Somebody is just simply restoration. Somebody is reconciliation. Somebody is healing. Somebody else, it could be uh, 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 parenting. Someone else, it could be home ownership. Someone else, it's just the sanity and safety of sound mind and thinking. But we all have a desire for something great. May the vision be the vehicle that brings us to great things. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. You know, as we often do on Thursday nights, I'd like for you to take a moment and find a group of three or four people and introduce yourself to that group. I'd like for everyone to take a moment and share something you've received from, from, from the Lord on tonight, something that you grabbed from the teaching on tonight. Would you do that just for the next few moments? I think it's important that you hear it, you see it, and now you say it, all right? Something can happen just out of obedience tonight. Come on, find three or four people around you. If you got to cross the aisle behind you, in front of you, to the right, to the left, and let's talk about the victory of vision. What can the vision do for you? What can the vision do for you? You've got 90 seconds. Let's go at it. Hallelujah. 